Well, welcome to a new school year and welcome to a new episode of the Test Scotland podcast. Every month we'll be chatting about our latest long read or a big issue for Scottish education. Today, in the week that thousands of staff and pupils headed back after the summer break, with more to follow next week, we'll be looking at what needs to happen to make 2022-23 go as smoothly as possible. I'm Henry Hepburn, Scotland Editor at TES, and with me is Senior Reporter Emma Seath. Hi Emma, how are you and are you raring to go for the new school year? Naturally, naturally. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess the starting point of our long read is that things might in some ways sort of look like they're getting back to normal. We had exam results last week after the first set of national exams since 2019 and you won't be seeing platoons of pupils wearing face masks in school corridors anymore. And uh, the whole idea of hanging on for news from the latest daily lunchtime Nicola Sturgeon update already seems like something from the history books. But the idea that we're back to normal, whatever you deem to be normal, is just not true. COVID still has the capacity to, to disrupt, even if it's in, even if it's more about the knock-on damage rather than, the, say, the direct impact of mass school closures. And schools are obviously having to contend with myriad other issues just now as well. So we asked various people, teachers, school leaders, union bosses, um, we asked uh, around the country, you know, what are the big issues for schools this year? What needs to happen to make it go as smoothly as possible? And we heard some really interesting stuff back. I mean, if I just want to, if I kick off, um, exams are obviously very fresh in the memory. Uh, there was one teacher who told us that this year, more than anything, there needs to be stability for pupils, especially those sitting exams. And if you think about the last four years, we basically had, um, you know, when it comes to qualifications, four extremely different sets of circumstances. And then the next couple of years, we've got SQA overseeing things before they hand over to a new body. Uh, who knows how that will play out? There's a review of qualifications and exams just now. So it starts to look with the year stretching ahead and, and quite a lot of uncertainty about what there's going to be. It almost looks like there's a, never mind just this year, there's a potentially a decade of shifting sands around qualifications um, and uh, and assessment. I mean, have you any thoughts on this year, Emma? What's um, the issues that are that are facing, uh, facing us this year? Well, I mean, I think that that was one of the really good points that was made. And we, as part of this feature, we've spoken to Seamus Searson, who's the General Secretary of the Scottish Secondary Teachers Association. And one of the points that he's making, the Scottish Qualifications Authority has already said that the COVID arrangements are going to remain in place um, in this coming school year. That's in terms of assessment and courses in secondary schools. So that's basically, you know, sort of saying that the... um, courses there was a, there were some idea given of what was going to be coming up in the exam there was a, some you know sort of certain amount of coursework reduction for some courses um so for instance at higher english um you the number of um writing pieces that pupils needed for their portfolio at higher was reduced by one these kinds of things are going to remain in place uh, next year as well but Seamus Searson's argument was that they should remain in place the following year too and that's because in 2024 that's to be the last exam diet that's delivered by the Scottish Qualifications Authority and then after that the new body that replaces the SQA is meant to take over so his argument was basically what would be the point in changing everything for one last year just in order for it to change again the following year so he's making a plea basically for consistency in terms of keeping those COVID 
modifications to courses and assessment in place, not just next year, but the following year as well. And then, of course, something else that, you know, in future years that is going to have an impact on what assessment and qualifications look like in Scotland is going to be the um, review being carried out by Louise Hayward, the independent review of assessment and qualifications. And so we got some feedback on that as well and how that's going to go smoothly. So, for instance, Douglas Hutchison was talking, he's the director of education in Glasgow and the president of the Association of Directors of Education in Scotland, he was basically seeing, saying that we needed to keep people engaged with that process, keep teachers engaged. One of the teachers that we spoke to said that they felt that there should be some dedicated time given to teachers so that they can actually, you know, sort of take part in the consultation exercise that's been carried out by Louise Hayward so that they actually have dedicated time to participate just because obviously their views are so important. Mm-hmm. And moving on to another issue that I know you wanted to, be, to bring up, it's teacher pay is obviously something that's going to be um, front, front and centre this year. Um, we've had uh, we've got a new general secretary of the EAS teaching union who's come out very strongly in terms of the, the stance her union is going to, to take over that. I mean, what, what, how do you see that panning, panning out over the, the course of the school year? Well, this is the this is the thing that people think is going to be potentially the most disruptive um, or, you know, sort of potentially as disruptive as COVID because we have strike action looming on the horizon for uh, Scottish teachers, teachers all over the UK as well. Uh, there's real um, disquiet about the pay rise that's, you know, sort of being proposed. I mean, so far in Scotland, actually the best offer that we've had has been um, 2% from local authorities. So that's obviously way below the teacher pay claim of 10%. So, I mean, essentially, Andrea Bradley, um, is the, she's the new um, General Secretary of the EIS. She's essentially saying that um, if there is no improvement on that offer, um, then, you know, and if it's not getting up to much more, like something that Scottish teachers would be able to accept, given the gulf between the 2% and the 10% that there is just now, then in October, they'll be looking to ballot their members with potential strike action taking place in November. So, so, you know, we we might be thinking that, you know, sort of maybe there won't be so much disruption due to COVID. You could dispute that, though, and I'm sure that we'll get on to talking about that in a few minutes. But the one thing that the, 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 the other thing that's, like, you know, sort of looming on the horizon in terms of potentially interfering with young people's ability to go to school um, and get back into those routines that people say have been so destructive, you know, that are, are leading to kind of lower attendance rates, attendance rates that have never really recovered. Um, and, and that's the, the teacher strike action. Mm-hmm. And, and teacher pay, well, there's some interesting points made by some of the people who spoke to about the, the ripple effects of uh, of teacher pay and teacher pay not rising in line with uh, obviously all the, 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 the financial issues that we're all facing just now in terms of cost of living and so on. So if you're a, a teacher in a, a more rural school where which we've documented time and again the, the staffing issues in, in a lot of rural schools in Scotland, uh, we, we spoke to one teacher who said you might be facing 400 miles a week of travel and this might just, you know, if the teacher pay doesn't rise to an adequate level, then it might just be the tipping point that makes you think, well, I just can't do this anymore. I need to go somewhere else where I'm not traveling 400 miles a week. And it just accentuates the staffing problems that are already, you know, such an issue in rural schools. Um, but moving on to teacher supply, that's something else you've been looking at. What can you tell us about the issues that are, that are at play there? 
Well, you, you, basically what you end up with is, is apparently two apparently contradictory narratives. That there's a teacher supply issue on the one hand, and you were touching on the touching on it there, Henry, with you know sort of talking about the challenge that so many rural schools face in filling posts. And then, you know, then on the other side of things, you've got teachers who can't find jobs. This is always something that kind of comes up at this time of year where you start to see the teachers who are in their, you know, kind of they did their probation last academic year. They're looking for work in the coming academic year. And by now they're starting to panic because all they've managed to do, all they've managed to achieve is to get onto a supply list and they're wondering whether or not there'll be jobs. And so that just seems, it, it sort of does seem a little bit odd you know you're talking about you know sort of schools not having enough teachers and then teachers who can't find jobs but the situation in Scotland's the same as it always been as it's always been essentially that there are shortages and shortage of teachers in certain areas rural areas like you were saying in particular and in certain secondary in particular certain secondary subjects like physics and maths um so yeah so so these have been you know kind of perennial problems for Scottish education and that picture you know remains um you know sort of by and large this the same for the coming um, academic year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, all these issues are interrelated. They don't they don't exist um, in a vacuum. But so again, this probably crosses over with some of the stuff we've talked about already. But school budgets. What's your what's your take on where we are with that, and what sort of pressures there could be in the coming year ahead? Well, we know that the um, public sector finances are in bad shape, so we can expect that to have a knock-on effect for schools. And we know that um, in Scotland, the schools they'll they'll see their energy bill, but you know the, the, it's not really the responsibility of the individual te- head teachers usually to be paying that. That responsibility falls to the local authority. So you know when we hear stories about, for instance, you know sort of schools in England being really worried about the rising energy prices, in some ways for schools in Scotland that does that worry doesn't have the same immediacy uh, because it's the local authority but that picks up that bill. But having said that, of course, if local authorities come under local authority budgets come under increasing pressure then that is eventually going to have a knock-on effect for schools and is eventually going to filter down to school down to schools so all of these things that we're maybe experiencing on a domestic level rise rising energy costs rising food costs you know if you think about your home economics lessons and how much is it costing you to deliver those now um you know rising costs for you know sort of other things you know so again we had another teacher who was making some interesting points um about the implications for uh, her subject which um, she was she's a design and technology faculty head so she was talking about the rising cost of materials and saying that if it hadn't have been for the fact that her head teacher decided to do away with departmental budgets by the time she had paid for the wood that she needed to deliver a national five course uh, she wouldn't have been able to run any other courses mm-hmm. I was actually just last week looking back at some of our coverage over the years and you and I have been working here and covering Scottish education for quite a number of years now. Um, But it seems like there have been apocalyptic predictions for local authority budgets, for education budgets for a long time, you know, go back to the global crash of 2008. Um, And then a few years ago, there was a a report that we wrote about, I think 2019, so so just pre-COVID, essentially saying that you know, education budgets have been protected for a long time. Councils have been seeking cuts elsewhere, but now they just, they're, you know, other services are cut to the bone. Now education is going to have to take a hit. But it, it's never quite maybe turned out as bad as some predictions have 
have made it out to be. Are we now finally at a tipping point this year where a lot of things have come together? You know, council budgets already under strain, cost of living crisis, trying to come out of COVID. Is this actually a year where, you know, we can see some really quite drastic decisions made by local authorities, would you say? You always hope not, and I guess because the teachers are the biggest, um, the salary, the teachers' salaries are the biggest cost that local authorities have, and they do have class sizes that they have to stick to legally. So in some ways, you sort of see that there's maybe only so far that they could go. But of course, you know, there's the support staff. Um, you know, that could we could see cuts there. We've seen cuts, for instance, to things like the library service and certain local authorities. Um, we we know that they don't have there's maybe not the same pressure of um you know local government or imminent local government or national um elections that can sometimes mean that um the politicians and local councillors are a little bit kinder in what they do because they don't want to you know sort of lose they don't want to lose votes so it will be it will be interesting to to watch and to see um to see what's going to happen yeah, and the budgetary process for local authorities tends to take place um, sort of early in the, the new year, so February March time. Um, so is what you're saying that uh, we've you know we've just had uh, well, last year we had Scottish parliamentary elections just a few months ago. We had uh, local authority elections, but now we've got a, a fairly long period coming up without anything like that on the horizon. Is is this the so so local authorities might be more reluctant to make cuts leading up to elections, but now might be the time for something a bit more impalatable. You mentioned things like library services, that, so that's that's potentially around the corner. I, I suppose so, but I suppose if we were going to be kind, you know, we would say that schools and education is something that they'll really be keen to protect. I mean, nobody mm -hmm. wants to make mm -hmm. cuts in these areas. Nobody sort of sees it as desirable. But when there's a finite pot of cash, I suppose these, you know, then that often that results in difficult decisions. But mm -hmm. the other thing that it results in is very bad headlines. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's something else that, um, you know, politicians are going to be keen to avoid. I guess the financial situation is is what it is, though. So um, you know, it would be interesting to see. I mean, as you say, there have been we've had quite dire predictions about what's going to happen in schools in the past. Maybe some of that was. Um, you know, kind of cushioned by the fact that the Scottish government then introduced the attainment challenge, and that saw things like pupil equity fund, you know, which um, you know gives schools a certain amount of money per child who's um, entitled to free school meals, gives them like that ex that little bit of an extra boost. So that maybe helped to kind of to cushion the blow. But at the end of the day, you do need your core budget to be of a, at an appropriate level in order to be able to deliver. And we're always hearing the resource is the issue, you know, if you're talking about um, all sorts of things, but particularly to do with children with additional support needs and making sure that they get the support that they need. That's a big issue for teachers and it's a big issue for school leaders as well. And just finally, I mean, we clearly there are a lot of issues out there just now that are, are quite worrying. Um, I wonder if there's anything, just to finish off on, anything a bit more positive we can say about the new year and what, what might happen. I mean, for me, I've been hearing teachers and pupils saying that they're really hoping things like school trips, clubs, you know, extracurricular activities really, really pick up this year and then come back with a vengeance. Is there anything else that you've heard that people are looking forward to that, you know, might be a, a bit of a positive to take from, from the year ahead? 
I, I think that people are glad to be back. People are glad that, you know, I know that it's not, it's unlikely that it's going to be a normal year. That, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be higher. We saw what happened in England ahead of the summer holidays. We know that there are going to be higher absence rates. We know that that's probably going to lead to, you know, sort of interruption in terms of people's, interruption, disruption in terms of people's learnings. Their teacher's off, they're off. You know, all of the, the kinds of things that we witnessed in the last academic year, it seems highly likely that we're going to um, experience them next year but schools managed to stay open and I, I think that just the very fact that we managed that for an entire academic year obviously with some exceptions but no national no national lockdown I think that people will be really embracing the fact that it looks like we can expect to manage that the service, you know, that we can expect that the education will be delivered. And I think that that's a relief. It's a relief for families and it's a relief for children who by and large enjoy going to school, who want to see their friends and, you know, and want to, you know, sort of want that experience to sort of happen reliably Monday to Friday. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, one prediction we can safely make is that uh, teachers are going to pull out and schools are going to pull out all the stops to make things go as smoothly as possible. I mean, that's, uh, if there's any positive, positive to take from the COVID years, it's that uh, we've never more than before seen seen what a great job that teachers do, and, and I think that's been recognised as it should, um, certainly by us <laughs> repeatedly. Um, well, thanks very much, Emma. That gives you a flavour of our latest long read, which is out now at tez.com forward slash magazine. And we'd just like to sign off by wishing everyone a great school new year, and we'll be back with another episode next month. And just to let you know there may even be a special bonus episode in the next few days so look out for that thanks again and we'll see you next time